so I guess we'll give people mm -hmm. a second to come in. Hey, everybody. Thank you for coming in. We are getting started shortly. Just going to give people a couple mm -hmm. more minutes to trickle in. Doing okay. How are y'all? Okay. Good. All right, y'all. So everybody who has joined today, we're going to be talking about the connection between sexual health and mental health. We have got Dr. Chanel Baptiste here and CJ with Black and Brown United in Action. And I'm going to go back and say that Chanel is with NOLA Black Mental Health Matters. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so sexual health has, you know, obviously has strong connections to mental health. Um, with conditions such as anxiety, depression, and, you know, especially the trauma that can come from sexual assault and how it can affect a person's, you know, sex life. Um, it's incredibly important for all of us to pay attention to our mental health, you know, especially with everything going on. It's a particularly urgent issue for Black people. Um, according to the Office of Minority Health, only one in three Black people who need mental health care receive it. It's, you know, traditionally received as, you know, a sign of weakness or a stigma. So we're here to discuss some of that today. Um, Chanel and CJ, do you want to sure. introduce yourself? Um, hi, uh, everyone. My name is Dr. Chanel Baptiste, and I am currently a postdoctoral fellow, um, completing my time for uh, and working on licensure, full licensure, in the state of Louisiana to become a clinical psychologist. And I work with children, I work with adults on a variety of different issues, whether it be depression, anxiety, trauma, things of that nature. I also do psychological assessment, and I am the founder of NOLA Black Mental Health Matters. And I'm CJ. I am a Trinbagonian residing in the New Hallville section of New Haven, Connecticut, mother of two amazing young adults, helping woman period board member, lead organizer and founder for Black and Brown United in Action, podcast host for The Sound of Black and Brown, and sexual assault survivor. Um, BBOA has volunteered at Planned Parenthood New Haven in the past and currently, and we have a working relationship with the REACH Fund of CT. Um, reproductive justice and um, rights and mental health justice are things that are very near to us. And I recently had the pleasure of being on a panel with a fellow Planned Parenthood member, a storyteller um, for the Yale Bleeds Project, another um, initiative which was done out here in New Haven to really bring light to the importance of mental wellness and reproductive health. Um, I have years of community organizing experience, including urban renewal, mental health, health equity, um, and I've done various community building strategies. Also have working relationships with some great um, organizations out here, including the Connecticut Cross Disability Lifespan Alliance, uh, the Medical Assistance Program Oversight Council, the Stop Husky Health Discrimination Coalition, D-Lean, 
amongst others. And, you know, we've also presented legislative testimony for various social injustice, injustices and organized various events to raise awareness to many things, including um, the lack of focus on the empowerment of and mental wellness of black and brown women. And so we press for change to empower in communities in all those various matters. Awesome. Um, so before we get fully started, I do want to say, you know, a content warning. Um, this conversation we're about to have will contain references to sexual assault and trauma. So you're encouraged to take care of yourself and set, you know, any boundaries that you may need to center yourself both physically and um, emotionally for your well-being. So yes, CJ, thank you for your introduction. I want to talk a little bit more about mental wellness and, mm -hmm. you know, what exactly that means. Me? So, <laughs> I'm like looking around, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so into my thoughts. <laughs> it's okay. I'm trying to make sure I don't get disconnected. I'm trying to multitask, you see? That's me trying to be mentally well. What a great example, right? Mm -hmm. Multitasking could be draining mentally. Um, you know, so, Mm -hmm. Mental wellness, also, you know, emotional wellness is the ability to handle stresses, which I've had to do. And I'm really happy to be here today to talk on that because I genuinely feel in the black and brown community, um, you know, I feel this is something we don't uplift enough. We're scared to talk about it. We're scared to hear the words. So I'm really happy to be here today and share my experience and my story and hopefully motivate someone to take some steps towards getting the assistance they need to be better for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess before we discuss, you know, mental health and sexual health, I do want to talk a little bit more um, broadly about um, depression and, you know, anxiety. These are two common mental health conditions that, you know, Black folks like, experience. What are um, depression and anxiety and when do gotcha. they become serious? So, um, as many people know, depression is actually a very common mood disorder. It can affect children, adults, um, it affects people across genders, across socioeconomic status, and it looks like disturbances in mood, so like a consistent and depressed mood, loss of interest in things that used to bring you enjoyment. Um, we can see people have disturbances in sleep and appetite and, and so many things. And um, for kiddos, sometimes it looks like irritability. So depression is something that anyone can be susceptible to and it ranges in intensity for folks and recovery can look different for folks. But it's something that, like I said, is is common and we want to start bringing that to the forefront because some people are struggling with depression but don't necessarily always have the words to describe what they're experiencing um, and are trying to figure out well who do I turn to and how do I even begin to find a pathway to dealing with what my I'm experiencing and similarly anxiety disorder which is actually the most common disorder um, worldwide. And so just like I mentioned before, it can affect anybody. 
And I'll, I want to back up a little bit and say that anxiety in and of itself is not a bad thing. We like to talk sometimes about anxiety as being like, it's a bad word. But anxiety is really natural. It's something that we experience whenever we may encounter something that's stressful or worry-inducing. But it's when that anxiety becomes unmanageable that we then start having a conversation about, well, what kind of treatments or responses to this do we need to start implementing in order to help that person manage that anxiety? Because we want a little bit to help motivate us. Anxiety can motivate us to study, to prepare, to look across the street <laughs> before we walk. Um, but again, it is when it feels like it is out of our control that we then want to start helping folks to figure out what is the next appropriate steps. And same thing with depression. What are the next appropriate steps for me in order to help me deal with this and get back into a space where I feel better, where my mental wellness is in a, in a good space? a really good kind of breakdown of everything and really important to be honest because you know sometimes we have these feelings and overwhelming feelings and we don't really know what it's about you know yeah. but thank you for breaking that down so as another content warning um we're about to it's about to contain references to you know sexual assault and trauma um don't forget to take care of yourself um yeah so cj Jay, can you tell us a little, or can you elaborate a little bit more as your work, um, mental wellness advocacy? Absolutely. So I just want to shout out two of uh, two other BBUA members just signed on. Hey, thank you for being here. Um, I appreciate them very much. Thank you so much. This is something that I have not. Um, I'm very good at advocating for everybody else. Great at that. But speaking about me. Eh, not so much. Mm -hmm. So um, when this happened, I was still living in Trinidad and Tobago. As a young woman, my father had migrated to America. Trinidad and Tobago had just survived an attempted coup on the government. And so my parents made a decision that it was um, beneficial for him to migrate here so that we would have some way to go, you know. And so my mother, she now had the task of taking care of the business we had, and myself and my my siblings um and in that time you know she's struggling to do all the different things take care of the house take care of the kids just take care and so she would hire people to come and do temp work because she grew up very humbly as a farmer so she believed in paying it forward um and so in all of that um in the midst of that rather here i am a young teenager just now learning about life just now learning about lipstick eyebrows you name it I'm just now getting into it. I just now figured out um, about music and what I was kind of liking. But what I didn't know what was happening at the same time, I was being watched and I was being targeted by a predator. Um, it would take years for me to say those words because bear in mind, I am from a country where we, you know, you do not at the time feel empathy for someone who went through what I did. If we got raped, we looked for it. That's what we say about whom you look for it. You went looking for it, it was too fresh. So what would happen is one of these workers would start working at our house and time and time again, he would start, you know, talking to me and whatever. And I, I, I don't know, you know, over time, next thing I know, here I am spending more and more time with this person because when my mother realized that he had a rapport with all of us, she thought he was okay to babysit so she could do other things. 
Well, when my brother left, my older brother left, he migrated. That's when the real hell happened. That's when this predator would now groom me even more, right? Because it starts off with the whole I understand you thing. And it escalates into, well, escalate it into, well, let me see what you're so mad and angry about. Because I was missing my dad and I missed my family. And out of that, I would be repeatedly raped, right? Repeatedly, you know? And out of that, I would start hating myself because here I was um, being sexually violated at a young age. This is how I would lose my virginity. This is how I would learn about sexual relationships. This is my introduction to that level of intimacy between a man and a woman. And it was scary. It was, you know, there were nights when I didn't understand why I was doing this. It, you know, there were the dark parts where I got deeper into it because I thought this is what I was supposed to do. He had groomed me, you know, he had made sure that this was done. Eventually I had the strength to say, you know, I finally mustered up the strength when I shared it with another family member and they would in turn help me mentally break myself free. What do I mean? They would now take up the space that this individual was taking and attempt to remove them from my life, which worked until I found out or realized or started to realize I might be pregnant. What do I do? Now I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I'm at an all girls Catholic school. Now I have to walk around with a stomach. What the hell do I do? And there were times when I got really depressed at the time, to the point I attempted to take my life. You know, and my mother would start to realize something was definitely wrong one day when she came home and she found me on the floor and I would tell her and she would then say, okay, all right, you know, she, this was not something we planned, mind you. And so now we had to work through that. Well, the trauma didn't end there because we went everywhere we could think about to have an abortion, but everywhere we went to, they turned us away, right? In Trinidad. So, you know, scared for my safety she decided well let's come to america and see what could happen here same thing we went different places and begrudgingly we had to live with the fact that i could not have an abortion i was about 20 weeks or so and everywhere told me no right even though i had the permissions and everything in the end you know i i just you know relied on my family and you know those around me to kind of like mentally keep me there it was scary having a baby it was scary being there you know i i recall being at yale and i my, the back of my gown opened up and a bunch of medical students were walking by and they laughed at me you know i mean this is the kind of thing i would deal with i would be on the bus and i'd be sitting there by myself because i felt weird so what would happen is i would have my child and decided to keep the child because you know begins because now with me being in Trinidad Tobago I wasn't supposed to be pregnant so now I have to walk around and not admit this my parents took on that role now so now another side comes in now now there are nights when I'm sitting here mad at myself anxiety what if somebody finds out what are they going to do what are they going to say who are they going to hurt and I tried and I tried but I knew this just wasn't going to work anymore and so what would happen is, is that I would then now, you know, end up living here. And um, I have to tell you the first five years of being in this country undocumented, 
<laughs> that's it's not a life I wish on anyone, right? It's not a life. I've I've been through things that I could smile about now. Um, what was holding me was me telling myself, I just did this. And as the years went by, I started losing feeling. Like I didn't feel like celebrating my birthday anymore. I didn't feel like doing certain things anymore. It just, it wasn't there. And then <clears throat> I would have another child and then this would come by way of a not great relationship. I mean, just two people who just couldn't get along, right? And here I am again and I'm judging myself because I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is so bad with me? I lose my virginity like this and I can't seem to keep a man, right? For all intents and purposes. I'm not a size two. And, you know, I come from a country where seeing people like us is normal. I'm, I'm used to seeing the president, the prime minister being like us. But then I migrate here and I'm not just dealing with the dichotomy of being a black single mother, but now I have to de defend my skin and justify my hair. And because of my skin tone, I fall into that special category of what are you? So in various spaces and places, I'm fighting for my belonging. This would lead to me finally getting to the point of, okay, all right, not right here. This, you know, I read about this place. We're supposed to have all these things, but I was also raised differently in terms of the history of black and brown people. So I know that that is possible. And so what that would do, it would inspire me now to start um, digital organizing. This is like about 15 years ago. And because I've always been, in, you know, introverted, I'm a very actually um, quite introverted. I would stay at home and, and, you know, entertain myself. Because again, years and years of being subliminally bullied, right? Not knowing what it is, not understanding why certain girls didn't talk to me or why certain men would treat me a certain way, all these different things, or why when I show up to an interview, I could tell the room and the temperature in the room change, right? Mm -hmm. so just out of just being around town and having witnessed a call to action, meaning a group of people protesting at a court, I remember going home that day and saying, I could do this too, but I could do it on my terms. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted people to understand mentally you could do this. You could fight for yourself. Mm -hmm. You could get up. You could stand up. And you could find your spiritual peace because I had to work on that a lot. And part of that journey included not only the spiritual side as far as my conversations between me and the Almighty, but also realizing I need a third party here. I need somewhere to unpack. I'm so good at listening to everybody else but so terrible at unpacking my baggage. And I didn't want to put that on anybody else. So two things happened. So the first thing was I started this blog of events and I wrote it as a ghostwriter, CJ, right? And what I would do is at the start, I would tell the story of why white supremacy needs to end and how that impacts the mental wellness of black and brown people. And I was doing that all up the way. So any events happening in Connecticut, grassroots events would be on this. This was like a top secret. It had to be on the listing. But when COVID happened, I couldn't live with myself knowing those people would be out there. So it hasn't, you know, so we're refocusing and shifting on a different way. But in that time, and I was so grateful I, I started this 
before COVID because quite frankly, I don't know where I would be. I started speaking to a therapist and I did it on my terms. What do I mean by that? I had, I wrote down a list of who I wanted to talk to. What would this person have to have that make me comfortable? Um, a woman, black, has knowledge of social justice. I was very, very clear. And then I sat down and I wrote an email, I drafted an email. For those who know me um, <laughs> in the group, they'll know I miss templates. So of course I wrote a template of an email. <laughs> and of course, I was very specific. <laughs> and they had to have a sense of humor, right? They had to have a sense of humor. Very, those were my four things. And so I put it on my calendar and I went to work and I interviewed them. So I did get a couple of responses but then I would ask them my qualifying questions, like, are you comfortable with me um, speaking at my pace? Are you comfortable with me at times not being very talkative? Are you comfortable with me sometimes crying and being very emotional? Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable with me challenging the terms created for us? And so that will now narrow it all the way down and I would find my person. And, you know, after I found my person, she and I, you know, every week we're on it. Every week, you know, if I need to text her, I text her. And I have to tell you, you know, it, it was such a, it was a different type of relief. I can't put that into words. See, I'm going to cry. Because <clears throat> finally, I could take, take it off. And if I wasn't able to do that, let me tell you something. Being a black woman, a black feminist, a black feminist who believes in the grassroots and the liberation of black and brown people, it is not easy to be if you are even included in white spaces. And sometimes you don't just get it from, you know, the people, the one you expect, but also amongst your own. The many times when I have to validate why we must continue this fight why you know we must fight the oppression and break these chains if i didn't have this lady in my life i don't know if i could have done it as successfully i gotta tell you that because in the strangest ways your trauma could show itself and i'm a testimony to that i'm a testimony to driving somewhere and randomly having a flashback i'm a testimony to sitting down and looking at my bills and the pictures of my children and saying sorry I'm a testimony to what it's like to live without privilege as an immigrant, as a black woman, as someone who had to fight for her place in this country. I'm a testimony. And whatever I could do to empower that, I will. I also knew that therapy was critical because within my group and beyond that, particularly people that we help because we do what's called rapid response, which means that if someone has a situation, will show up, do those things. I need to know how to mentally be there. And some of these things are triggering. I've been to rallies and other functions and events for people who are fellow sexual assault survivors. I fought for menstrual equity. These are very emotional, but honest and, you know, it triggering conversations because I have to tell you, some of these nights, unbeknownst to others, I would literally sit in my room by myself and I would just have to, to breathe because some of what I saw and heard, it triggered something and I would have to mentally work my way back from that.
So being able to be here today and share that, and also being able to fight for mental wellness. Note, I'm not saying the term mental health. I feel like that term is very stigmatizing and I'm trying my best to advocate for this. I also don't use terms like minority because we are the majority, black and brown. And I want the black and brown people, my women, my women, you are not emotional. You are not just speaking, you know, speak how you feel, speak how you feel. You deserve that. Okay. Don't let anybody deny that. Without my therapist, I couldn't be as silly as I am. I couldn't sit here and say, whoops, I made a mistake. Because when you get targeted by a sexual predator like I was at 16, young girl, right? Um, you, you know, your pride is gone. You have nothing else. They took it from you, right? And I have to admit, it puts you in a phase for, because for years, I had to learn how to like me. I didn't like me at all. I hated the girl I was looking at. I was mad at her. I thought she was stupid. I thought she was weak. And I thought she was careless. I thought everything that they wanted me to think about myself. And that would lead to nights of me panicking over the dumbest details. I mean, silly, silly things. It would lead to me being very depressed, questioning myself, doubting myself. And it would also lead to me one day at looking at myself in the mirror saying, you can't do this by yourself anymore. You can't be strong for everybody else if you don't know how to keep your own strength. So for that, I'm very proud and grateful to be working with whom I work with. And you bet your dollar, I am not the person you want to be around if I see someone who is mentally unwell being mistreated. I, I get very, those are one of, that's what I mean. Like people wonder, my God, I've been called emotional, angry, all kinds of adjectives because of my reaction, but I'm speaking from a place where I've walked this walk and I've carried those crosses and I know what it feels like to handle that alone. And if I could be there with you, we'll hold hands and we'll get through it too. So I'm glad to be here. And, you know, I hope Dr. Batiste, you could, um, from what I just said, if there's anything there that you could help others with, please jump in. I mean, I first and foremost, thank you for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. um, we have some folks on here that, you know, somebody today, I always have this feeling that the words that we share in any given moment, there might be someone who just needed to hear that, yes, this is something that you can overcome. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. something that you can work through. You can find a therapist who's right for you to help you process your healing, process your pain. And so thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that powerful, powerful story because you there's so many takeaways from that. And I'll start first and foremost by just, you know, highlighting that sexual assault is not the survivor's fault at all. There's a lot of people who deal with the things that you mentioned, where it's like, I feel guilt, I feel shame. How did I let this happen? And it's something that we can work on in therapy to help you bring, you know, come to the reality that you didn't cause this, you didn't welcome this into your life. It is only the responsibility of the perpetrator, the person who violated you, that's the only person who's responsible for that assault, not the person on the receiving end. And so we work through those sorts of things where we understand, you know, like, 
what is it for you right now that we need to do as far as that healing process and it can work we're working through those feelings of guilt we're working through those feelings of shame we're helping that person identify their strengths what are the things that you can tap into internally that can help you in this healing process? Because as a therapist, I always think of myself as I'm a tool in your tool belt to help you find your way to getting to where you need to go. And finding that good match is so important. So the other part of it too, like you said, you had that checklist. And <laughs> your first has to be, you know, meet these qualifiers. So in order to really do that work, one of the core pieces of therapy is having that rapport, having mm -hmm. that connection, that professional relationship with that person where you feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable, to share, to cry, to feel all of the things you need to feel in that space in order for us to do the work that is necessary. And so I want to encourage anyone who's listening right now to, yeah, interview, interview the therapist. Um, it won't hurt our feelings if you say, hey, we're not a good match. That's okay, because we want it to be a good match. We know how crucial that is to the therapeutic process for us to be in a space where you feel comfortable enough to open up to me. And that I feel comfortable enough in that space too to do my job too. So I want it to be something that feels mutual and agreed upon. And so really working with that person and finding that person for you, very important. And I wanted to highlight too some, some other important facts about sexual assault, right? And so we know that people who experience that have an increased likelihood of experiencing depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, disturbances in attachment, disturbances in um, personality. So I wanna normalize too, that after you have had an experience like that, after you've experienced sexual assault, that response to that assault I want to normalize that because some people think, like you said, like if you're in an environment where it doesn't feel like you can actually talk about it, you may mm -hmm. feel this rush to, I have to feel okay, I have to hide this, I have to wrap this up because I don't have time to feel unwell, I don't have the space to feel unwell. I want to normalize that response to trauma because we all have different responses to trauma. We all have different recovery processes to trauma, but whatever your response is, is okay. And from that and understanding that it's okay to feel the things that you are feeling, then we start on the pathway of figuring out, well, how do we help you work through those feelings? So I know I, 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 can, get, I can go on <laughs> and on and on because I know like I've, I've worked with um, so many people and I know that it is not a linear process either. I wanna highlight that as well is that some people may be under the impression that once you get into therapy and we get the ball rolling, that we're going to go from point A to B to C to done. And it doesn't look like that for a lot of people. But that's also okay because if we get to point C and somehow we wind up back at B, that's what your therapist is there for, is to help you figure out how did we you know, get back there? What triggered you? What was that interaction that you may have had that you may not have felt really prepared to respond to. And now we figure out, well, let's, you know, get to the bottom of that and then equip you with the skills and then also tap into, again, those strengths that you have to help you continue on your journey, knowing that it's going to be an ongoing journey, even when therapy ends, but you will always have that support. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm going to hop off my soapbox real quick. But again, I'm, I'm super glad to be Stay on. Stay on. <laughs> it's, so, it's so important, you know. Yeah. So, no, no, I completely agree. And I just want to thank you both so much for coming here and for speaking with us and talking to us because this is all 
incredibly important to listen to because, you know, as somebody who just started therapy maybe a year and a half ago mm -hmm. for the first time, it, it has been a journey. <laughs> it has been a journey, you know, and it is hard. And I was under the impression I would just be fixed. A to B too. So I think that's a really important thing to emphasize. So thank you so much, Chanel, for saying that. May I just add one thing? I just want to say um, another thing I'd like to address to break the stigma. Just mm -hmm. because you are speaking to someone does not mean you're going to be medicated. Let me say that again mm -hmm. for the people in the back. Just because mm -hmm. you are speaking to someone mm -hmm. doesn't mean you'll be medicated. And what happens in that space between you and that person is between you and that person, mm -hmm. that first space. And if that space is no longer fitting to your needs, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Her healing is important, right? My healing is important. I can tell you as um, in terms of being an organizer, there've been times when I've had to as a mommy and as someone who's been there, you know, make the decision to say, all right, I don't want you working on this anymore to someone on the team. Mm -hmm. Right? They'll fight me. They always fight me. Ah! But no, I, I've lived this life long enough. You know, at this point, I've, I've faced it all. I've been, I've dealt with the gatekeeping, gaslighting, the lack of job, you know, the finances, you name it, I've dealt with it. I'm pretty sure the doc and I will have a great conversation after this. <laughs> you know, I mean, how I do it with a smile, I can't tell you. All I can tell you is that my ancestors' blood run in me. How about that? Mm -hmm. um, we're strong, resilient. And I, I hope for my black and brown people listening, part of your strength and your resilience comes from your healing, a huge part. You will find yourself at peace in a different light when you start facing those parts of yourself that nobody else knows about. And I'm a walking testimony to that. Nobody has to know your business. This is between you and that person. But please know, don't be afraid of this anymore. Mm -hmm. I think the years of um, the projection of therapy has really done a lot to our community. And we must, of course, you know, think about slavery, how slaves were treated for speaking how they feel. So I really appreciate the opportunity to clarify that narrative, which by the way, the three of us had nothing to do with. But we're here today to say to you, we want you to really think about you. Mm -hmm. And mental wellness matters, it's important. Mm -hmm. Still on my trajectory, I'm a work in progress. Mm -hmm. She's absolutely right. You're gonna start off at A and end up at F and then you're at Z and then you're like, well, this works, mm -hmm. but it happens that way for a reason, because as you begin to unpack yourself, may I also add in all this melee, for reasons that made sense to me, I decided to pursue and finish my degrees. Right now I'm working on my doctorate, okay? Hey, uh, these educated black and brown females, I'm trying to tell you all, mm -hmm. but <laughs> the interesting thing is I chose to focus on organizational psychology and I again I chose that for a reason because part of that was part of me I see all these things to say I really hope whomever is watching now share this with someone else or people you might even know who may be dealing with this because unfortunately black and brown people are not especially women 
particularly women, are not allowed to talk about their pain. Trans people are not allowed to talk about their pain. We are not allowed to function and admit our pain. We don't get the empathy. Might I add, where there is a lack of empathy, capitalism is very successful. So please note, your feelings matter. I cannot stress this enough. All right, we don't need to drink it away. We don't need to inject things in ourselves. You're gonna have your dark times. I'm gonna say it again. You're gonna have your dark times. I've had times when I cried, I got mad, frustrated. I had to put myself in a timeout. I learned how to do that, right? Why did I do that? Because part of healthy parenting is recognizing your own boundaries, right? I chose to look at my life. You know, I will never know what it's like to get ready for a prom and have to date and do all those fun things or go to the mall. I was busy at home. I did go to the prom, but I didn't have that experience. I will never know what it's like to have a Christmas where I could spend money and not worry about it. I will never know what it's like to make plans that I could actually um, follow through on because that's my life. I've always had to adapt, but I never get the chance to recover or heal. All right. Self-care is really important. And little things like for me, one of the tools I use for self-care, believe it or not, is my graphic design. It's healing to me. It's it's art. I get to express myself. And that one is of particular importance because when um, I found out that I had to take this journey of motherhood, despite all the circumstances, I had dreams of and I actually got accepted to the New York Institute of Art. But because I had to take care of a child, those papers got ripped up in front of my face, right? Later in life, I would say, okay, maybe I'll take a hand at law school. But again, these things, they're barriers to certain things Mm -hmm. when it comes to singing. But I I didn't give up. So dust yourself off. Today is another day. The next hour is another hour. That email could wait. That email could wait five minutes of just breathing and saying, I got this. I could do this. I'm amazing. I am wonderful. And I bring value. You would not believe how much difference I could make in your day. Sometimes you just need to pause and reset. Mm-hmm. Pause and reset. You know, and as I can tell you, if your goal is to lead others, you can't properly if you're not leading your own mind to peace. Mm-hmm. You know, so thank you again for bringing this up. And I hope this gets shared and I hope people acknowledge and share all of this fantastic work here. No, no of course. Um, before I close this out, I do want to say, especially, you know, with we, wherever you live, there's a lot going on. So I just want to emphasize what CJ just said to don't forget to take care of yourself mm-hmm. because you can't, you can't make change if you are, you know, overly stressed, if you are overly burdened because you're just going to shut down. Mm-hmm. So Yes, thanks again for joining us, you guys. This is such an important conversation. Um, as we close this out, I do want to say um, to shout out, you know, Chanel and CJ. Make sure you follow them at NOLA Black Mental Health Matters. You can go to the post on Planned Parenthood's page, and we tag both organizations. It's also for CJ Black Brown United in Action. So go to the post. Um, and make sure that you go follow them because they're both very amazing and doing very important work. And at Planned Parenthood, you know, we also have referrals for behavior health care. Um, so make sure you come visit us too because, you know, we're here. We're here. 
yeah, so thank you guys for joining us on your lunch break. Um, CJ Chanel, say your goodbyes. <laughs> um, yes, well, I'm so glad again to have been a part of this conversation. Um, CJ, you and I are going to have to chat further because, <laughs> yes, I want to talk about like um, rest is resistance. <laughs> rest and self-care could be an act of mm -hmm. decolonizing therapy like we have we have conversations to have so mm -hmm. thank you again for um yes being a part of this and yeah give us a follow yes thank you all for being here please check us out you could find out more about black and brown united in action on link tree our handle is at Black Brown United in Action on Linktree. You could also check us out on Instagram, and we have all our lovely links there. Shout out again to the fellow Black and Brown United in Action members who took time to see me today and everybody else who tuned in. And if you're in the New Orleans area, visit Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast. Their link is in the bio. And I have to shout out our beautiful host. Yes. Thank you. You guys did all the work. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Um, and also in the comment section, make sure you, I drop down everybody's uh, usernames for the organizations too. Okay. So bye everybody. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>